0: got here just in the nick of time! What does that
1: make us? Big damn heroes, sir! Ain't we just? Let's get some ground rules out of the way first. An experience with me will make full use of our senses as we lose all knowledge of time and reason to explore each other's bodies and extract intense pleasure from one another to reach emotional heights. No, I'm no clock watcher, but... I do need to keep a track of time, which is why I bought my little friend here. You've paid for 60 minutes, which is why I've said when the hour is up, let's look back fondly at our time together, and not abuse its length. Agreed.
2: Sounds fair.
3: How do you want to start?
2: With a promise that by the end of our session, neither of us are gonna have had sex.
4: Dude, how's it hanging?
2: Three days without leaving your room is enough to drive a guy insane. This is day eight.
5: Larry? How are you?
2: I'm still applying for parts, hoping one will stick. What about you?
5: My pilots win a series.
2: So you've made it there? Look, I've got to go. My audition's been moved up and I've got to learn a new scene right now.
0: You're as punctual as my
2: prayers. (laughs) And hopefully the answer to them too. Uh, shall I read now?
0: In a moment. I, I gotta ask a favor though, can, can you please call
2: back? I'd rather just audition.
0: No, let's make this part of it.
2: I feel like you're dangling an anvil over me.
0: Have you ever consider the possibility your career would end before it starts? People like her will be certain you never land apart?
2: You know my stake, and I thought we were kindred spirits in this, but if conformity is your remedy, then let's end this call.
0: The audition only ends when I say it does.
2: Or I could click end meeting.
0: If you press that button, your day will
6: get worse.
7: How?
8: Welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and uh, um, I am loving the show Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Producer Dave. Hi, I'm producer Dave. Uh, I haven't seen a single episode of Ted Lasso. Uh, It has been recommended. I will have to to jump in and have a look. Over and over again, I keep on recommending to absolutely everyone. I'm going to ask our guest who's joined us today for this special episode. The entire episode is dedicated to him and his movie. He's a friend of the show, been on a number of times. He's a filmmaker. There's that is, he's, he's he's going to be astronomical within the next five years. Please tell us your name and whether you've watched Ted Lasso.
7: Hi, this is Bijan Tong, I'm not sure about astronomical, um, but, uh, but thank you very for your support for your very kind words. I have not watched Ted Lasso. <laughs> I need to do that.
8: Well, you're too you're <laughs> you're too busy to 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 get yourself occupied by something as great as Ted Lasso, and I do mean astronomical. I'm not being I, I'm not exaggerating at all. Uh, you, although you said, but that's because you're, you're being modest. And whenever I say I say, look, everyone, keep an eye out for Bijang Tong. You're going to be huge in the next five to ten years. You'll be a household name, honestly, because you're doing big things. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, the film that you're currently working on at the moment that you just you're about to premiere. Uh, it's called Lockdown. I'll get you to talk about it a lot more. Later on in the show, we're going to have an interview with, uh, because your film is international, so we're going to have the cast, which is the UK and US cast interview, we'll do that. I won't even say who's going to be in that interview just yet until we're about to do it. But we're going to have you with us throughout the show, just talking about not only lockdown, but also all the stuff that you've been working on since the last time we saw you and what you're planning to work on uh, in the near future. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And this is Film News. So we are welcoming this friend back onto the show. It's been such a long time since we've spoken to him, since we've had him on the show. Bijang Tong. To start off with, I want to give a quick recap as to how we, our relationship with Bijang. Uh, Bijang came on the show a a couple of years ago to talk about his feature film, his first feature film, The Escort, which we, myself and producer Dave, David Campbell, got the opportunity to go and watch the premiere. Absolutely loved it. Thought it was, it was, it was a mark of someone who, is grabbing the bull by the horns, literally. And in little to no time, you've pretty much, you've relocated. So let's start with with that, first of all, Bijang. So Bijang, give us a quick summary as to what has happened to you in your life since we left you at The Escort.
7: Uh, So quite a lot, actually. Um, uh, So during that time, I had the the privilege, uh, the pleasure of uh, working with different production companies. So I flew out to LA uh, for a bit. Um, I shot a short film called... Belfast, um, about the the situation in Belfast during the 80s, and and it was an absolute pleasure working there. Uh, And then at the same time, my thoughts were I wanted to explore Asia. You know, as someone who grew up watching Hong Kong cinema, uh, like like many people watching John Woo, uh, Shoei Hawk, Jackie Chan films and so on, I thought it would be great to, to find out what's going on over there. Can we support the resurgence of that industry? And more importantly, can we connect the bridge between the East and West? So I flew out to Hong Kong uh, with the express purpose of doing that, of trying to see, can we create more international projects? Uh, and so that's what I did. I ended up working with studio um, with Hong Kong's oldest broadcaster, ATV. Uh, so they're behind the Jackie Chan Police Story franchise, the Donnie Yen Fist of Fury franchise, and also the Asian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?
8: See, that's um, the thing. It's, it's, you, you're getting the opportunity to, I mean, you're, you're going in and you're creating... Uh, you know, you're creating TV, you're creating movies uh, in the Asian market, which is steadily rising. We keep hearing uh, stories and a lot of people who may not necessarily be paying attention may think well, when you talk about film industries and TV industries, they think obviously Hollywood. They don't even think that the British TV industry and film industry isn't even, is it's a blip yeah. in the market. Essentially, you have the comparison of uh, Hollywood being number one, Bollywood being number two, Nollywood, in fact, Nigerian yeah. Hollywood, if you will, being number three in terms of revenue. But no one's um, reaching the social, uh, this you know, the cultural consciousness that Asia is actually very—it's high up there. There are a lot of Asian films. Uh, and we're talking Asian, uh, Japan, uh, China, Hong Kong, Thailand, a lot of that cinema is actually begin to, that's why we love having Laura Sampson on board because she is the one who educates us a lot on those shows. And now you are an executive in that industry. The film that your work that you've just finished that is having its premiere pretty soon, um, it it, it is your foray into that international sphere Tell us about this film that you just worked on, Lockdown. Sure. So um, uh, as all of us had that shared experience,
7: I mean, during the whole pandemic uh, throughout last year, uh, many of us were literally locked down, just staying at home, waiting for it to to go over. And this is an important part of history that we're living through. And not just because of the pandemic, not just because of this lockdown, but because of what was going on around the world. Uh, from social media misinformation, uh, and also the George Floyd protests. Um, So it actually started off on something on a more uh, personal level, in that uh, uh, my mentor sadly passed away um, from COVID-related complications. And then soon after that, the George Floyd protests occurred. And all of this was occurring while I was self-isolating. So I'm sitting there in my room, you know, delving, uh, processing all this. You turn on the TV, you're, of course, seeing what's going on around the world. Uh, And that just made me want to write a story about this moment in history. Uh, And so I came up with this concept. Um, Actor enters an audition uh, where the casting director forces him to pass a series of tests or else someone around him will die. So very much genre thriller, but it explores the events of 2020 through the telling of the story.
8: And I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just going to jump in there it's, and you're going to talk a little bit more about it. You're underplaying yep. it a lot because yep. you're, you've descri- You've given a description of it and you've mentioned that it does capture pretty much 2020 for everyone. The cast that you have, I gave an introduction earlier on, you've pretty much spanned the globe. Essentially, this is a an international project. Yep. Why did you decide at a time where everybody else is shutting down with a lockdown and with COVID, et cetera, did you say, actually, I'm not gonna go in in a narrow scope. I'm gonna expand it to that. What made you take that decision to make it as wide scale as it is? Sure, it it really comes back to why I moved to to Hong Kong, uh, which is essentially
7: there is talent, there's greatness around the world. And our vision is always limited to the projects that we see, which is typically from our own country or America. Uh, So I thought, okay, around the world, we've got a tremendous talent and it would be great to utilise them, to collaborate with them. And this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime shared experience. Everyone, wherever you are, you're all experiencing this situation that we're living in. Um, So I spoke with various people people around the world explaining what this project was and what what it means to me and why I was making it. And they all supported the, the message of the movie. And so for that reason, they were happy to come on board. And I wanted it to be a literally global movie, you know, with actors from the U.S., from the U.K., uh, from Japan, uh, from South Africa, uh, from, of course, from Hong Kong. Uh, And fortunately, there was just a strong, positive reception um, across the world from people wanting to get involved. And uh, and also, I wanted to avoid making a Zoom movie, because I figured, okay it's an easy thing to do. Everyone's going to be doing it. It works sometimes, like hosts just took the world by storm. At the same time, it's lazy if that's the only thing you're doing. It becomes a gimmick for some filmmakers. And I needed to be something that can last, Uh, as in it's not a film of its time, but a film about this time. So my other ambition was let's shoot on location. Uh, So that was interesting. (laughs) Certain people had to shoot on Zoom because simply borders prevented me from from going there. But uh, for the most part, we were able to shoot on location.
8: And that's the, that's one of the next bits I want to jump into in just a second. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're here with the film executive, film director, film writer, Bi Zhang Tong. Uh, he's talking to us about his latest project, Lockdown. It's a thriller, an international thriller that you shot in 2020. Despite the lockdowns, despite the COVID uh, restrictions and the boundaries, you shot it with an international cast. Now you mentioned that one of the things that you wanted to make different from this project compared to others that would be shot around the same time was that you were going to shoot on location. As it's a global project, how did you manage to coordinate with such restrictions in place, being able to shoot on location in Hong Kong, in the US and in the UK, as well as other places?
7: So um, I think the key thing was uh, making sure that instead of flying a production team around and we need to be uh, health and safety compliant, we decided we'll have different production teams. So we had one in, um, in Hong Kong. We had one in the UK. We even had one in Japan. And that scene, I mean, the Japan scene, it lasts about 30 seconds. <laughs> but, um, but, we, but we had a full team there. So that was interesting to do. Uh, and then it was just me flying around. Uh, so we kept it limited to, to that extent. Uh, in the case of other countries, uh, we had um, the actors or actresses work on the sets and so forth themselves. Our our lead villain in the US uh, literally painted green screen so that we could uh, shoot some, some stuff over there. But, uh, but yeah, for the most part, we wanted to shoot on location. And I guess because the country in the UK was also essentially shut down, it was easy to reach out to venues to say, look, we're making this film. Ultimately, there's no one there, uh, and they were more than happy to do it. In fact, they were very
8: supportive. And that's in- incredible to organize and strategize, as you said, just having multiple teams across. I see that it sort of makes sense when you organize it that way, where you say you get a, you get a team, you set it in place, and you're that one link that bounces between each one. Now, let's dive into, I've been sort of hinting towards the cast. With an IMDb, the name that tops that list is Xander Berkeley. I mean, you have Xander Berkeley, you have John Savage, you have a, a, a Bijong return, a Bijong Tong return uh, player in Kevin Leslie. Kevin Leslie is in The Escort, he's in pretty much every project that you're working on. He's essentially uh, Samuel Jackson to your Quentin Tarantino, if I were to put it that way. <laughs> I guess uh, but so. yeah so he's in there we'll talk about him in, 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 a, in a second but let's talk about Xander Berkeley love his work he's been uh, in many things such as um, Terminator 2 he's in uh, Air Force one. I first saw him in uh, in 24 in one of the seasons of 24. Um, so tell us what made you approach Xander Berkeley
7: Xander was of course in Terminator 2 which was a movie that made me want to become a filmmaker. And he was in 24, which is my all-time favourite show and the show that made me want to explore long-form narratives on TV. So he's already an exceptional actor in some of my favourite films and and series. At the same time, he's got a very distinct voice. And he has this way, this charming, there's something that's interesting about him, enigmatic, and he's very chameleonic as an actor. Uh, And so what I wanted with this character, uh, it's not much of a spoiler to say he's he's the villain in this film. Uh, what I wanted to was uh, to have someone with that distinct voice uh, who can command the screen uh, and where you're you're fascinated by him, you're intrigued by this character. And so Xander became the person I thought would encapsulate it perfectly, this character of Joel, this mysterious person who's putting uh, Kevin's character to the test. Um, and so, yes, I reached out to him. A couple of two, three years back, I'd put something on Twitter, just a random tweet talking about the Dennis Hopper chris Walken scene on True Romance. And he had, funnily enough, responded to it. So I remembered that that brief interaction, and I brought it up again, and when I told him about this script. Uh, and he, he was welcoming in terms of, you know, uh, yeah, sure, send me the script over. Uh, and then we had subsequent conversations after that. Uh, and again, because of the message of the movie and what we were trying to achieve, uh, he became on board, uh, for, for which I'm forever grateful. And so he's, uh, he was wonderful to work with. Uh, he's someone who, who really studies the material, who explores the character, explores, explores new ones. The final scene in the film, uh, we had this very long conversation for meeting about it. And he was providing his suggestions, making tweaks here and there, uh, which made the scene far stronger,
8: in my opinion. I, it, honestly, I, he, for one, I'm, I'm happy to watch anything that you produce. But the moment I heard Xander Berkeley was in it, um, I was like, I, this. I have to watch this. I have to get it right now uh, and watch it because I love his work. Recently, saw him in in FBI Most Wanted, uh, and he he popped up in an episode. And this is this is how charismatic he is. FBI Most Wanted, flicked it on. It, I was watching it. My partner just happened to be w- walking into the room, and there was a conversation between two people. And she's, you know, just walking past, just didn't care. And Xander Berkeley pops up and he's sitting on the bed with a gun. And she literally was arrested at that point. And because we were watching a previous show that was recorded, it ended right in the middle of his conversation. And she was like, whoa, 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 back, back up. We, how do we, we need to get that episode, we need to watch that episode. So we had to go and download that episode. His charismatic performance is just fantastic. We're just going to use this as a moment just to jump into the interview that we're going to have with the uh, cast uh, right now. So here are the cast of Lockdown. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have, I guess I'll, I'll describe it as the Western Hemisphere uh, cast of, uh, or part of the portion of the cast of Lockdown. And we've got a number of different people in the room with us. And the way we'll do it is we'll do it like is, is a, a daisy chain. We'll do it like a daisy chain. We'll get one person to introduce themselves and then they'll, they'll hand over to the next person. That person introduces themselves and then hand it over. And then when you hear my voice again, we've gone around the cast list and then we can begin asking tons of questions about this show. So uh, let's go with Kevin. Kevin since I know you, let's go with you first. Introduce yourself, tell us the name of the character you play and then pass on to someone else. Sure, thanks guys, good to be here. Uh, my name is Kevin Leslie, I play Larry Boyle and I'll
2: throw it over to Pamela because she's next in my window.
3: Hi, uh, my name is Pamela Numvete and I play the part of Margaret Redbourne and I'm gonna pass over to Olivia.
1: Hello, hi, I'm Olivia, and I play the role of L. and I will pass it over to Jacob.
5: Oh, hello, I'm Jacob, uh, Jacob Anderton, and I play Doug. Uh, let's pass it over to Andrew. I'm Andrew
4: Aknyede, and I play the role of Theo, and I'm going to pass it over to Reza.
6: Hello, I'm Reza Diaco, um, and I play Izzy. I'm going to pass it on to Bijan. <laughs>
7: Hi, right. I'm um, Bijan. Uh, I have no character role, but I just uh, wrote directly <laughs> and produced it. <laughs> Who do we have left? Oh, Gil! Hey, so hi, everyone. Uh, my name
0: is James Menji. I play Devon and uh, there's no one to pass, so I guess... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it back from there. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you
8: all very much. Uh, so, uh, from my estimation, I would say that we have uh, from South Africa and, and the UK. UK and South Africa cast. Do we have anybody from the U.S.? No, no one from the U.S. So is the, U- is the U.K. and South African cast that we have uh, for the film Lockdown. We've just been talking to Bijang about how he wrote and directed this film during 2020, during the lockdown, the pandemic, and how it basically spreads out across the world, and hence the reason why we are talking to yourselves. So let's start off. Now, I believe, if I listen correctly, that Kevin plays uh, the lead character. So, Kevin, if you don't mind, we'll start with you. You tell us what your character does in the movie. <laughs> uh, what doesn't he do? Um, so, I play uh, Larry Boyle,
2: who's a wannabe actor. Um, wannabe famous, basically, is... is um, So, um, I'm on a journey in terms of... So, I join what I believe is an online audition and um, met by a casting director that then um, all isn't what it seems and then takes me on a road of setting me different challenges and tasks to keep my friends and family safe.
8: So now, Kevin uh, uh, Kevin has is, is given a very brief description from his, his part and as there are a number of different people, I want to try and get everyone injecting how they uh, interacted with this particular film. So Pamela, I want to jump to you next. Um, as if I'm correct, you're based in South Africa. Uh, how did you come about? Oh, sorry. It, 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 let me let me know, make the assumption. I'll make an assumption. And I'm going to be wrong. Where are you currently based?
3: I'm currently based in the UK, but yes, I am South African and okay. I work both in South Africa and the UK.
8: Fantastic. So, I knew I was going to shoot my foot myself in the foot. I didn't think it was going to be this early, uh, but that's fine. Uh, so, Pamela, tell us, how, what, was your, what was your sort of inspiration when you heard about the project, you heard what Bijang had in mind? What was your inspiration when you came to this particular cast, to this particular production that you felt uh, was going to happen with regards you, your character, and the rest of the project?
3: Well, I mean, really my inspiration was um, when I connected with Bijan because his vision was something that I could um, completely relate to. And I felt the project was so pertinent to where we are now. Um, And I just felt that there was going to be a longevity to it because he was really tapping into the psyche of where we are, I would say, um, as human beings in our society today and what when I I read the script, I thought, yeah, you know, it really highlights the kind of um, pathogen that exists. So coronavirus was the thing that put the light on the pathogen that exists among us as as the human race. So, um, and also it was in the middle of when I received it, you know, we were kind of in the middle of the pandemic. So it couldn't be more pertinent, but he really, um, I think he really pinpointed um all the this the kind of dis-ease that we're existing in and the way that he portrayed that was very powerful. And this kind of essence of greed and and um you know total self-interest without really being aware of your environment and what is actually going on. So I just found it really and, and the character I played as this casting director, um. I found what she was saying was very moving and pertinent to my own life, being a black actor myself, um, you know, and in the industry at this time and the things that need changing. So the and whole I, thing- I, I, oh, I like yeah, the fact that you- changed, It has, sorry, yeah.
8: No, no, so, I was sorry, sorry to cut you off. I, and I was, uh, I, I like the fact that you brought in the fact that it, this, the movie was made in, in, during the pandemic. So we all know, we all live through, 2020 and we saw how um, restricting it was in practically every aspect of life, um, regular indie, indie uh, projects, film projects that where it's just a, gr- a bunch of people crowded in one place, they found it difficult to do their own filming, let alone a film project like this that's spread across, uh, across the globe. Now I know majority of it was done using uh, internet, you know, sort of interacting with people on the internet. Now, however, we've been made aware that there were some uh, scenes that were shot on location. So just by show of hands, how many of you actually shot on location as opposed to via Zoom, etc.? Okay, so we've got Reza, we've got Jacob. So let's go with let's go with Jacob first. Jacob, uh, what was it like for you? In, during the pandemic, when everybody is scared to go and, and mingle in groups of six, how was it for you actually working on a project uh, where you had to then go on set and film on location?
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, tough. Obviously, it makes everything a lot more complicated. Um, but obviously, these guys had worked so hard to, to figure out, you know, the practicalities of actually how they were going to do it. And then when we turned up, it was a, a real sort of stripped back operation in terms of, you know, Bijan was there, and he and he was sort of, you know, pointing out to the camera. We had one guy on sound, and then basically we we just had to work out the scenes between us. So a lot of the time, you know, when you when you go to a set and you have all the different departments that you might bump into or work with, that that wasn't there. But actually, it was uh, it was a really interesting and, and and great experience because it kind of felt more personal. He was really sort of one on one with Bijan, and and obviously with the with with Kev, who was the, the person in the, in my scenes. It was a uh, yeah, it was great, really enjoy it. And uh, okay. like I say, Crazy it was right in the middle of the pandemic. We're telling the story about the pandemic in the middle of it, which is- uh,
8: Exactly, and and again, when we were talking a little bit earlier, talking about the fact that you were sitting on location, so you mentioned that you were on location. Reza, you pointed out that you were on location, you put your hand up as well, that you were on location. So were you shooting your scenes with anybody in this cast uh as well, were you in that particular scenes with anyone in this cast, or did you have sort of separate groups that you performed your own scenes?
6: Um, no, we were actually a few of us were on set together. So I think Andrew was there, Julea was there, Kevin was there over the screen, so he wasn't necessarily on set. He was he was uh, a a a screen. Um but no, yeah, it, uh there were five or six of us actually kind of being on set at a time and yeah it was kind of interesting as it was mentioned it was both kind of difficult with all the masks and stuff but at the same time so initially maybe it was a bit difficult to sort of uh get into the personal side of things but then after a while with the theme of the story and everyone sort of being affected by it we started sort of connecting and talking and telling stories so it just became like a usual set just...
8: so as you you were on set with a certain group of people keeping kevin separate keeping kevin on screen olivia you're the one person i know in particular that have worked Hi. With Kevin, <laughs> more, uh, yeah. of the time. did you get did you have the same opportunity to work away from him where he was just on screen as opposed to be trapped in the same location with him
1: yeah, it was um, it was definitely a unique experience in all of the best ways, really, because what that teaches you is when you're at the other end of the screen and you haven't got a crew in your bedroom. <laughs> so I'm filming in my bedroom in the middle of a pandemic and my first experience of filming on this film was seeing everyone at the other end of a screen. So seeing the crew kind of behind Kevin and kind of seeing all of that and then just kind of going into it from there. And obviously just getting that connection and getting that connection through a screen is um, was like definitely a challenge, I think, when you've not got anyone else in the room. So for you, it kind of almost feels like you're your own kind of mindset in that moment. So it was definitely a challenge, but one that I think was definitely beneficial to any other experience going forward. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a funny one because obviously I have uh, me and Kevin have acted together before and so it was easier, I think, for that reason, to kind of connect in that way, because obviously there was no real rehears- re- like in-person rehearsals. It was all over screen. And then that was the first kind of filming day for me, I guess, um, was, was over screen and seeing everyone there. So I was introduced to the other members of the team, like lighting and sound over Zoom. So, you know, it was all definitely a unique experience, but in a really cool way, I think.
8: Uh, it's, it, it does sound like an incredibly e- expansive project with sort of many yeah. plates. And obviously this is a question I might ask uh, Bijan later on. Many plates being spun in the air. He did mention it when we spoke to him earlier how he was the one connecting production uh, member going from one production team to the next to the next. Andrew, I want to jump to you. Uh, if If I recall correctly from from, you know, from earlier, from research on the project itself. You were one of the people, your character is one of the it's one of the characters that basically you get to move from one place to the next. Tell us a little bit more about your character, Andrew, and how you inject yourself into the project.
4: Okay, so uh, I play the role of Theo and Theo is um, not your typical drug dealer in terms of his personality. He's very... Um, very understated. He's he's very stoic, so you can't really tell what he's thinking. So um, I'm quite an introvert, but I describe myself as an extroverted introvert. So I think that's probably what allowed me to lend some of my personality to, to Theo's character. So um, without, I don't want to give away parts of the film, so I'm just trying to be really careful. But... Um, Injecting my my personality into into Theo's character was quite easy because I had basically showed a side of me where it's like I'm just willing to listen. you know I'm trying to help um, trying to help Larry as much as I can um without saying too much, but um being street wise enough to know what's going on and how to avoid a, a terrible outcome for for Larry. Uh, but being caring enough to you know help him get to his uh <laughs> his desired outcome.
8: Excellent. And Gilles, I want to throw you the final question for the uh, for the cast. Um and again I might go around and ask other people as well the same question. Uh Gillies, in comparison to other projects that you may have been on, uh compared to this again, like we said, it's unique in its sense of scale and scope. What was the most challenging? We've already talked about the fact of COVID and the restrictions, etc. What for you, apart from the restrictions of COVID, was the most challenging part of being in this production?
0: Uh, I would say like the most challenging was because I play a character with a lot of energy and in real life, I'm really relaxed, you know? So uh, it was uh, about becoming someone else uh, because, Devon wants to to be useful. he's part of a crew, a drug dealer crew, and he wants to feel that, yeah, he's a guy that you will call if you need anything, and uh, sometimes you have to uh, call him down, you know, so it was like, um, yeah, not my personality, but I like it, because I had to become someone else.
8: Excellent. And Kevin, I want to throw you this question, as you're the you're the lead. You're the one who basically the entire story is revolving around. What do you want audiences to take away, having watched this, when they watch this film when it comes out? What do you want audiences to take away, both about your character or about the scale of the film, about the project itself? From uh, you're you're an actor, you're you're a producer as well. What would you want audiences to come away with from this film? That's a that's a good question. Um. I mean, for me, it's
2: um, like Pamela already already touched on how pertinent it is, you know, how, you know, it took me a while to sign up to this project because my character is quite, you know, quite a nasty piece of work in in, in the sense of his thought processes are quite, you know, it couldn't be polar opposite to what I believe and think in terms of politically and socially. So, and, and the reason I ended up doing it, you know, many conversations with Bijan because you know, I thought it could be career damaging at one point, but I thought, you know, as artists, we have a responsibility sometimes to reflect society and these people exist and they're actually, seems to be becoming more of them. And there seems to be, they're getting a a, a wider voice, you know, and so for me, I felt a responsibility to tell a story around a person that, you know, I'm, I'm not mentioning names in real life because I, I don't, but you know, Bijan gave me a few to look at. You know, that are quite divisive. You know,
8: I'm really sorry about the noise. I'm in the middle of a storm here. You know? I don't know if you can hear it. Um, so for don't me, don't worry. You're just giving producer Dave extra work for him to to yeah. I'm to really sorry. Out. Don't, fine. don't call me in for ADR. Though. It, it so, makes uh, it makes me happy that he has <laughs> to get the work. He has the work to do. That's fine. So, don't I'm worry. Think, I'll, I'll, I'll
2: get back. I'll get him back. I'll get him back. Cool. So I think for me as well, the big thing about Bijan's films is if he kind of shows society before he then comments on it. And I think if you watch his films and turn off after 10, 15 minutes, you're gonna leave with the wrong impression. You'll leave with the wrong message, right? So I think for me, what I want people to take from this film is not only from an indie standpoint, just to be, you know, just the kind of incredible ambition of the guy, you know, in terms of to shoot a internationally film you know film across different continents in a pandemic was just a scary idea anyway but in terms of taking away from the film is you know being open to it and, and being the fact that it's really difficult because my, my character you could dislike quite quickly quite easily but i think you have to be open to a conversation i think that's the only way we're going to evoke real change i think what we're bit as, as society, we're too easy to switch off. You know, if somebody has a different opinion to us, we just don't talk about it. We're like, no, you're wrong. Don't want to hear about it. You know, and that to me is that's the weakness. So for me, what I want this um, movie to do is start a conversation. You know, and and people from both sides of the spectrum be able to talk about why they have views. If you may, I hope you don't, but you may agree with my character on some points, but. If you do, why do you? And you know, and that's what I love the movie to do is to make people have an open conversation about it.
8: Excellent. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Acho. I'm producer Dave. And we have with us the UK, South Africa cast or portion of the cast of Bijan Tong's uh, Lockdown, which is coming out pretty soon. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do something that we don't do on the show. So I'm gonna give the rest of you some time to prepare I want you all. While I'm, I'm going to ask three questions to Bijang, while I'm asking him those three questions, I want you all to think of one question that you want to ask Bijang. That you may have wanted to ask while you were on set, you know, during pre-production, during post, during, every, throughout. Even if it's how many people do I bring to the premiere? How many people can I bring to the premiere? <laughs> you can ask that question. That's fine. Think of that question you're going to ask Bijang. I'm going to ask him three questions, and then I'm going to go. You know pick one of you each to ask. You always have to, you have to have a question. Otherwise you're not going to the premiere. So that's it. So Bijan, here are the three questions I want to ask you. The Amongst the people that are here. So no copping out. Who was the best person to work with in the cast that you have in the room right now? So the number one person that was the best on this production to work with go. A tough question to ask. <laughs>
7: um, I will have to come out in a sense by saying, uh, Everyone who I collaborated with, every single one, uh, were very professional, uh, outstanding, and especially considering these, these pressure <laughs> constricted at times. Uh, with that said, uh, Kevin has a, well, had a lot on his shoulders making this film. I mean, essentially, as you said, he's the lead, but the entire story revolves around him. And so anyone could have broken, essentially, essentially considering the amount of pressure he was under. In addition, I was kind of mean-spirited as a director in that, I purposely wanted to isolate him. Uh, so we shot a lot of a film. We essentially shot the movie twice. And we shot a lot of it with everyone else. And then we shot Kevin. So that there was a long period of about three weeks or so where he was, he was the one alone in a room while the crew and so forth with everyone else to create that, that mindset, that isolated mindset. Uh, and the fact that he didn't quit by, <laughs> by the time I came over to shoot his scenes says a lot about him.
8: Excellent, second question I'm gonna ask to so everyone prepare your questions, we're gonna do it very quickly when it comes to you. So second question, who was the worst person in this cast list that you worked <laughs> with? So who was the person who, as soon as you started working with them, it was like, you know what, if I, I can fire this person tomorrow, if I could, but I'm not gonna because of because I have to fly out to Hong Kong. Who was yeah. that person go? Yeah, I'm definitely not answering that one. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <fair enough. issues laughs> fair i'll tell you what i'll let you skip that one uh, let's let, the last question i'm going to throw to you bijang uh when can we expect the premiere of this film
7: yeah, so the premiere is happening next thursday on october 7th
8: excellent now we're going to go around the, around the room quick fire question jacob i'm going to start with you then pamela then reza you have a question that you want to ask bijang jacob you go first Okay, uh, Bijan Tom, International Man of Mystery. Where on the planet are you right this second? Because
7: you're always on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually now in London. I-, I flew back here a week ago.
5: Well, that's a boring answer, but fair enough. Yeah. I was hoping for something like <laughs> Alta Mongolia. You or, asked you know... the
8: question. You can't, you can't say yeah. it's a boring question. You <laughs> asked the question. Pamela, let's go to you. Your question for Bijan. Pamela, you're on mute. Yeah. How
3: much... How much... Um... What, what's your box office goal for this movie?:
7: Box office goal. Uh, good question. Um, we, we actually did get some sales estimates. Uh, so ultimately, I mean, I wanted it to be a film that people watch uh, around the world. Uh, but I guess, yeah, box office it'll be great if you get uh, to do that. So yeah, ambitious in scope, but
8: I believe it's doable. Excellent. That's a very good question, Pamela. In fact, see, this is why you should be sitting here doing my job. I should have asked that question. Reza, let's go to you. Question.
6: Okay, random question. But if you could play one of the characters, who would you pick and why?
7: Oh, okay. Um, I would probably play... Definitely not Larry Boyle. <laughs> 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 no, um, it would be... I think, actually, uh, Jill's, uh, Jill's um, character, Devon, was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right.
8: uh, Olivia, <laughs> jump Oli- uh, Olivia let's jump okay. to you. Olivia, let's jump to you.
1: What was the biggest thing that you feel like you learned from doing, from filming this film?
7: I think it's, um, it's kind of cementing something that we should all know, uh, which is essentially it, the film lives and dies, the production lives and dies by the, the mindset of the team. But if everyone collaborates, everyone works together, everyone believes in something, it's possible, it's doable. Uh, And I saw that, both working in Hong Kong and in here, that we were dealing with a lot of factors, a lot of constraints. And there were challenges, like in any film production, there are challenges each and every day. You know, things go wrong. But the mindset of everyone was, okay, how do we solve it? How do we move forward? And so, for example, we had one day where the gimbal fell off and uh, and we had a series of errors that were occurring. We had a drone falling down. And uh, so... Despite all that, we still quickly moved forward with, uh, with the idea that we're going to make this no matter what, and we're going to do the best that we can doing it. And I believe the final film is, uh, the quality is high. I mean, it's, it's reflective of my vision. We haven't compromised on anything to make the film that we've made.
8: Fantastic. Agiles, let's go to you.
0: Yes. Uh, if you had to shoot uh, the movie again, would you do the same thing 100% or change something?
7: Uh, good question again. Um, I actually having seen the film several times now in <laughs> intriguing it, I feel that no that, that this is that this is what we should have done as in we took the right approach. Uh, in fact, the approach that we've taken was so intriguing um, that I ends up creating a series that the production style has elements of what we've
8: done with lockdown. That's a nice politician's answer to that question, uh, Andrew. Let's go <laughs> to you.
4: Um, do you think there would be a sequel to this film? And if if so, where would it be shot?
8: Oh, spoiler, spoiler alert! alert. <laughs> All right.
7: um, yes. So lockdown, uh, we've decided uh, internally because, like, it's a co-production between myself and a and a studio uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, we decided after they watched a cut of a film that this could be a franchise. Uh, so we've talked about it being essentially sort of a torture porn. Um, we have <laughs> mapped out the storylines. Uh, I can say that a sequel has been uh, mapped out literally from start to end, from the opening scene onwards. Um, and, and we see uh, Xander Berkeley uh, as being an iconic villain. I'm not gonna say what happens to him by the way. The, just because I give this answer doesn't mean you know what the answer is <laughs> for what happens at the end of lockdown. So but, what um, Bijang is
8: basically telling you is, don't feel yeah. comfortable. All of you are replaceable. <laughs> <Except> Zander, <laughs> he, he, it's gonna be, be him and a brand new cast.
2: <laughs>
8: okay. Kevin, let's throw that last question to you.
2: Well, I my question's gone out the window now after that statement. I don't think I'll survive the second one. You'll break me. Um, um, my question is, like, what's the dream? If you could, if you could make one movie, because, you know, you keep growing and every movie you're making, you know, it always has a really good message and a reflection on society. So what's,
7: <laughs> what's the dream? If you can make one film, what film would you like to make? That's a good question again. Um, I mean, essentially, in one respect, I'm living that dream uh, with these projects that are uh, coming forward and collaborating with people who I, who I actually enjoy working with on set, like uh, all of you. Um, and, uh, and next year we made an announcement that we're doing a zombie movie, Chonking Mansions, and I'm very excited about that. You know, I've always wanted to do an action movie. Uh, this one is global in nature, uh, and I've always enjoyed zombie movies, so it's great to be able to contribute to the genre. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I guess my one dream, if I have to give a specific answer, is I want to do a Jerry Brockheimer production. <laughs> the idea of just doing a full-on 90s-style Michael Bay Jerry Bruckheimer action movie That would satiate my childhood self.
8: See, that's what we're going to do. Now we can get this momentum going and do a Jerry Bruckheimer movie set in Hong Kong, brought to the UK, and all of us basically, you know, (laughs) all the UK cast are all going to be part of Bijang Tong. It's not going to be a Jerry Bruckheimer movie anymore. It's going to be a Bijang Tong movie. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I want to thank the cast from the UK slash South Africa portion of lockdown. Thank you all very much for joining us today. And we hope to watch you in more uh, in higher definition on the TV when we get the chance to watch lockdown. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Acho. I'm producer Dave. And we're still with the filmmaker behind the film Lockdown, Bijang Tong. We've just been talking to the cast for the movie. This is an international movie. It uh, spans the globe. You have actors in the UK, the US, Hong Kong, South uh, South Africa, all uh, playing their parts within this one narrative. Now, we're here with the filmmaker Bijang Tong. And he has just, he's made... The film Lockdown, which we've just been talking to the cast about their involvement in the project, and there are a couple more questions I want to ask Bijang before we move on from Lockdown and talk about um, more that's in store for you know you have in store for us with your with your tremendous shooting star of a, of a career, uh, and with regards to Lockdown in, in itself, um, you mentioned earlier that you wanted um, Lockdown. Uh, we, which is a, a film pretty much with Zoom being all sort of like you know interaction over the internet being a major driving force in it. But you said you wanted it to be different from other types of uh, Zoom movies. You did name check uh, Host, but it was in the sense you, you name checked Host uh, by uh, Jed Shepard, which is on Shudder. You mentioned it in, in more of a, a positive light because it is, it's a, it's, it's a great yeah. horror movie. Very good. Um, it's a great horror movie, with Zoom. But you've mentioned in particular that you wanted it to be different from other types of Zoom movies. And I wanted to ask you, what in your opinion uh, makes those Zoom movies that you wanted to stay away from, what uh, what pushes that more into the, you know, the, the negative light? Why would you want to stay away from those type of movies? What makes a Zoom movie not a great movie genre or not an impressive genre that you wanted to try and stay away from?
7: Well, it's a bit like um, found footage horror in that we had something begin with Blair Witch Project. Uh, every once in a while, something comes out which we use, uh, use it well, like Cloverfield. But the vast majority of films use it as a gimmick. If you take that away, you're left with nothing. No good story, no good performances, uh, nothing that will, that demands your time. Uh, and the same is true for the Zoom movie. You know, there are more projects to be made which can use it effectively. I absolutely believe that. And I think host did do that. And that's why I think people, audiences embraced it. But then you've had uh, different filmmakers just use it as a gimmick, essentially. Um, and and it just takes away from your time. And ultimately, as a filmmaker, uh, you're asking the audience to give you their time. And yes, their money. <laughs> but more importantly, their time. Uh, and you want to make sure that uh, that it's rewarding. If all you have is a film which is on Zoom, but if you take the Zoom angle away, you're just a bunch of people interacting, no no substance to it, uh, then, then is it really worth the audience's time? Uh, and so that's why I feel we're with this with luge of, of, of projects, of, of films, dealing with it, but it's been very poor. Um, I will give one more good example of all, Staged, the BBC one with uh, Michael Sheen and David Tennant. Yes, I think that you said effectively yes, it was genius. Yes. Both okay. seasons, brilliant. So as I said, it does happen. It does happen well. But those thus far have been in the minority.
8: There is a, there is another one. Um this was way, this was before staged. Um, I I think it was I think it's in session, if I remember the, the correctly. Um, and it's a Lisa Kudrow project. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it, I think it was on Amazon, I saw Amazon Prime. And it's basically, she plays a therapist and her life is pretty much falling to pieces. Yeah. But it's mostly shot through um, interactions on Skype. So yes. it, it, this was before Zoom because obviously yeah. Zoom came up with COVID, but it was uh, it was Skype. So it's sort of, whenever I hear the Skype sound, I think, immediately, of, of that show. I think that was an amazing show as well. It it's done very well, but it's more comedy. Uh, whereas, uh, kind of like stage, stage obviously, Conversation between David Tennant and um, oh, what's his name, Michael Sheen. Uh, yeah. Fantastic show! I've co- w- watched a couple of episodes. I do want to go and binge the rest because I could spend a week in the company of those two men. And I think they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's worth it. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. and I'm producer Dave. And we have the filmmaker, Bi Tong, with us. He's just been talking about his film, Lockdown. Uh, uh, I mentioned very briefly earlier that you were about to do the premiere. So please tell us, tell us, first of all, when is the premiere? And if you have any news with regards to when the rest of the public, people who are not able to make it to the premiere, when will they be able to see your film?
7: Um, So the UK premiere is happening uh, on October 7th, Thursday, October 7th. Um, at uh, the Courthouse Hotel at 7 p.m. What's interesting is lockdown has already made history in one respect, which is, um, as you know, the last few months people have been going NFT crazy. Um, And again, that's an area of conversation where I feel we're only tapping uh, the surface of what can be done. And I'll I'll talk about that later on. (laughs) But um, uh, with the case of lockdown, lockdown has become the world's first hybrid NFT movie and Asia's first NFT feature film. Uh, What that means is we are making a limited edition of NFT copies, five in the world, uh, prior to its traditional release. Uh, The traditional release, it will be November 23rd in the UK. Uh, We're also from next Tuesday, from the 5th of October, so over the 48 hour period, uh, we're going to be making five premier tickets available as NFTs. Uh, So yeah, five members of the public can get an NFT ticket, uh, which entitles them to watch a movie, uh, spend time with a cast, uh, have a cocktail reception, and, of course, you have the NFT itself, which has value. Uh, so, yeah, so we're doing that next Tuesday.
8: Okay, so n- next Tuesday being the uh, the week of the... Uh, it's a Tuesday the 6th, uh, the if fifth, I'm not mistaken? Uh, so, yeah, 5th of October. 5th of October, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so how how can people participate in this event? Um, is, is there a, a website that they need to go to to get more details about it? Um, what can they do to get to become uh, to one of those five people that will be lucky enough to be uh, to, to, to win such a prize?
7: Sure, so we're working with uh, an NFC company called Marvion. Um, so if people email media at marvion.media, Marvion is M-A-R-V-I-O-N, um, then yet yeah, for for more information and next Tuesday we'll go live on the website uh, to get to get those tickets.
8: Fantastic. We're going to post that because uh, this goes live. This goes on Re- uh, Resonance FM Friday night at uh, 7 p.m. and the podcast will go live on Monday morning. So we're going to be putting in the links uh, as well. The li- the uh, the email address for people to be able to go in. their website address as well. We'll post that so that people can go on there on Twitter on Instagram as well, so they can go and get to that particular uh, event. Now. Uh, let's ask you just before we run out run out, run out of time. Um, what other projects are you currently working on? You've just finished uh, lockdown that is about to premiere. What else are you? Uh, what what else have you got in the canon? Uh,
7: so once I've finished uh, the premiere of lockdown, I fly back to Hong Kong. We're actually immediately shooting a drama series, a crime series uh, called Forensic Psychologist. Um, so it's about a psychologist who interviews a different criminal each episode. To decide if we are mentally fit to stand trial. Uh, so, we've got an all star cast in Hong Kong for that. At the same time, we're simultaneously developing an English language version. Uh, I've partnered with Debbie Mason, the co founder of Kudos, the production company behind Life on Mars, Spooks, Humans, Utopia, uh, to do the English version. Um, and so, we're shooting that over November to December. Uh, and then, start of next year, I'm remaking one of Richard Linklater's movies, Tape. Uh, so I'm quite, inter- uh, quite excited about that one, because as a kid, I loved that movie. I still remember watching it in the cinema. Um, and it, and the original writer, Stephen Belbert. So he's a uh, director in his own right. Uh, he's made films with Jennifer Aniston, Woody Harrelson, Steve Zahn, Patrick Stewart, uh, and, and so forth. He just did a film with Corey Stoll a few months back. Uh, so he is working with me on this remake. Uh, he's producing it, and uh, and we've been in talks throughout the year in terms of how we're going to update it, to make a Me Too movie in Asia.
8: See, Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that your career was was basically astronomical or the trajectory of your career was astronomical. And you said, no, I'm I'm exaggerating. (laughs) And in the space of two and a half minutes, you have rattled off two TV shows, one in Hong Kong, one that is going to be in the UK with Kudos Productions. And Kudos Productions, they're, their, their shows are fantastic. You mentioned Life on Mars, which is a, a BBC. You mentioned, you, you said Utopia, right? Utopia was yeah. the other one that Kudos did. Utopia was huge. That went on Channel mm-hmm. 4. So you're basically, if that is if that mind blown because that is essentially taking off in that regards. And then you're doing, you're remaking Rich, uh, Richard Linklater's movie. This is what I'm saying. I am just, I'm literally, we're literally gonna be following your career as with as you're taking off and in 10 years when you're when we're trying to get a hold of you and I message your <laughs> WhatsApp number and your PR, um, your your public your your publicist says, yeah, sorry, this is now my number and unfortunately Bijan can't take your call anymore then I'll know, okay, it's fine. It was good. It was good while we knew him. Never the so, okay. um, <laughs> case. Now, there's another project that you're working on, which we love to, every time we get the opportunity to, we love to to mm-hmm. uh, to, to champion on the show. And it is Mitch Talliday's uh, Murder Ballads. So you worked with Mitch Talliday uh, previously on the project that, that, um, that was the inception for Murder Ballads, which is Everything's Gonna Be Fine. Tell us, yep. uh, what is your involvement now with Murder Ballads?
7: Um, strictly in producing capacity. Uh so Mitch Solday is an exceptional filmmaker and he's also the editor of Lockdown. Uh so we've always had a great report. Um I've always felt since the day that we met and um, that we had many of the same tastes, that we had uh, the same passion for film, and he has a great um great eye as a filmmaker. Uh so my my involvement is strictly from producing capacity to support him and his vision. And I'm really excited. He's been uh he's close towards the end of filming, uh, but he's been doing just uh just his passionate, exceptional job. And I'm really excited for the final film that's going to be coming out.
8: Yeah, we can't wait either uh, just to, to mm-hmm. check out his because it's, I love, uh, everything's going to be fine. Producer Dave, am I pronouncing, am I, am I naming that you film are... correctly? Because yes. oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> to write this time. What, I got to write <laughs> this time.
4: Very quickly, um, Bizan, it just occurred to me that um, some people out there might not know what you mean by NFT. So if you could just quickly
7: explain. Um, so NFTs are non-fungible tokens uh, So what it ultimately means is the, It's essentially about regards to ownership So you have this copy of, of Something, whether it's a tweet or a picture Or an artwork or a film um, And that is essentially yours um, And we, we're limiting it So in terms of whether it's one in the world Or whether you're minting a certain thing, a Number, it just means that That is literally yours And so it's become big in that memes and so forth People have been starting to, to Create NFTs of them um and and yeah it's for me i see it as it's not just for collectibles um but there can be more than can be done and so a few months ago back in july uh we announced that we're creating asia's first nft drama series so next year another of my projects is a show called crypto keepers um it's about a group of american bankers competing with a team of young hong kongers to create the next bitcoin kind of an east versus west classic underdog story where we're shooting half of it in hong kong half of it in the west um, and, and the idea is we're going to use the NFT angle, but we're going to be doing it in a way where how we interact with the NFTs impacts the storyline. So not quite Black Mirror Bandersnatch, but it will have an impact in terms of who you're supporting, whether the Americans or the Hong Kongers, and how you use those NFTs will impact the world or the universe of crypto keepers.
8: Honestly, that's fantastic. Um, sorry, uh, producer Dave, I think I cut you off there. Go. For no, me. no, no, you didn't. No, 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 you carry on. Okay. It's so, yeah. So it's and I, I love the idea of the uh, the multi level um multi level nature of that particular project, where it, it, you, you're, it's a TV show, but it's also interacting with with NFT property as well. So you get. Uh, that it's in the, the meta interaction that the audience can actually have yeah. with the project, which is fantastic. It's great when it's done very well. Um, and we wish you all the best with it. When when that project and any other, any other projects take off, please come back on the show and talk to us about it. We'll be happy to champion you until the day they kick us off the air. <laughs>
7: <laughs> You're far too kind, Marcus.
8: I'm excited about your project i Well, my. I haven't started talking about my projects yet because I'm trying to. It's like as soon as as soon as the project as soon as I can put feet on the ground and I know that we're begin to start running. That's when I'll start announcing it because I know they're all in the air at the moment. There's one that is that is almost there, almost there, and I can talk about. I can talk to you off air. Uh, about it, but uh, as soon as that happens, I will start talking about it, no problem. You'll be listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I wanna take this moment to thank uh, Bijang Tong, filmmaker, uh, the director and writer of Lockdown. Thank you very much for coming to talk to us about your project on the show. Thanks for uh, having me. And wanna say thank you everybody for listening to us uh, on Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Akko. And I'm still producer Dave. Saying thank you very much for listening. Speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.